Alright, so it's 11 October AM. Um, talking to Chelsea Hudson on this pod. I'm pretty excited to share it. Um, yeah, so I met Chelsea at a thing in December, uh, a reading thing in December. And um, I, hadn't re- I hadn't read her book when I met her, so I, I kind of talked about that right in the beginning where I was kind of embarrassed about that. But I, I knew, obviously, of her and um, her stuff. But I also didn't really know <laughs> because I hadn't, re- I hadn't read it. So it was kind of a crazy thing when I went in and, like, tore through all that, all her, all her stuff, like, maybe a month or two ago. And then, um, and I think, I think I did, I I listened back to the episode, I think it's, it's, I I didn't ramble too much, um, but a lot of the stuff she, what would be the main, I think, I mean, I think in terms of just, she said, she's saying stuff about, (laughs) I think I say the same thing every time, but just going in so hard on what you want to go in on, you know, and, and making it so specifically an intense self-interrogation that, and you could tell when she, when you read this stuff, how it, how sparse it is, but how it turns, that it, it seems like a product of like a lot of time, a lot of years, and a lot of, a lot of, a lot of patience of thinking about it, and then turning how she look, looks at it, and and that thing of uh, tonight I'm someone else. So it's yeah, 2018, Holt Henry Holt, I think is that publisher, and um, tonight I'm someone else. Like there's definitely like this. I only picked this up the second time I read it, but like this moon stuff where like how you remember stuff and memory where it's like the moon, like, <laughs> like the moon, moon looks a certain way depending on how the light hits it. And we remember things certain ways depending on how the light's hitting it, you know what I mean? So that's weird when you're trying to write about things you remember. But then I think if you get many different variations of over time different different angles of light hitting it and then you're able to incorporate all those into the text like over time then the thing gets you know real real complicated and look you know it looks i was gonna say shiny but sometimes it's not sometimes i'm in the dark anyway i'm gonna cut myself off there um i hope it's i hope i did okay i hope i did the the text in chelsea justice because She's uh, pretty amazing as what, what she's doing, and, and um, super nice for just being psyched about the pot and being down to, to, to go in. So, all right, let's go. my dark room uh my fiance is watching our crazy poodle <laughs> oh damn yeah are you out of brooklyn yeah nice where, where are you in harlem is that where you lived when i met you yeah. yeah yeah i'm right in the middle right in the middle of it all at the window That's i don't nice. know i don't know what i'm in the middle of <laughs> um yeah you out or i don't want to yeah, you out like deep Harlem or closer to water? Um, mm. I'm in Brooklyn. I'm in, I mean Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. My bad. No, no, that's fine. Uh, I'm in Williamsburg, and I'm a little. I'm oh, like nice. two miles, two miles from the water, so kind of like more towards Bushwick. Okay. 
sweet. Yeah, I was out there yeah. for a thing a couple weekends ago. And uh, kind of, it was kind of popping out there. Yeah, uh, it's, yeah, it's not too bad. Um, I, you know, since getting a puppy, I actually meet my neighbors because I'm outside like all the time now. <laughs> oh, like, nice. Like, yeah, I've seen pictures. The puppy, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So hit the, I have hit like, the park. yeah, I have like a different relationship with the, do- with uh, the neighborhood. Now that I have a dog, it's weird. I like know so many totally. of my neighbors and like my neighbors know my dog's name, but not my name. It's funny. <laughs> Yeah, that's so funny. Yeah, for the beginning of quarantine, my, my roof was open. So I would just go up there and sit there all the time. But then at some point, they locked the roof. So I've been like out at the park more. And I used to go to the gym all the time. But now I just go play basketball at the park. And that's like, oh, that's I feel like nice. same thing. I feel so connected to everybody around. Yeah, it's 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 a strange difference because I'm really kind of, you know, a hermit generally. And even when everything was open, you know, I would like go around the city, but just always like alone. And it's like a very yeah. solitary act being in the city for me. But now it's it's not, which is nice. But it's honestly very strange for me. <laughs> totally. Yeah, it's one of the weird yeah. side effects of everything. But um, no, I appreciate you being down to talk. Um, I've been going crazy. I reread the thing and then. I wrote a bunch of stuff down, which I don't think I'm going to be able to incorporate and talking about. <laughs> but um, whatever you want, I'm down. I'm, yeah. I'm excited. To talk. <laughs> yeah, and you've been, but you've been um, like working and stuff. I love how much the book is about different ways of work and different types of work. Thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah, I still kind of operate that way, so I'm always kind of like piecing enough work together to get by. So that's how I operate. And that, and because of that, I'm either super, super busy or like totally free. And (laughs) so (laughs) my school is is weird in in that way. Um, But yeah, so I'm just like teaching a bunch of different things right now. I'm finishing up like an undergrad program that I taught through Bennington. It's like a new program that's for people that were taking a gap year. Um, So I was teaching that and then I teach in the MFA program there. So I have like two different teaching things and I'm yeah, tripping I, thought, so I think, I, thought, I, I, think I knew that yeah I think I knew that so then when you said you're working a lot I was like I wondered what it was but it's remote teaching stuff yeah I do um other kind of um you know like private consultations I work I do some work now for like record labels and so I'm always kind of like oh, just picking up writing work wherever wherever I can yeah um so. well yeah, so I felt like an idiot when I hadn't read the book when we met briefly in December. You know, um, you you said that, but you shouldn't feel like an idiot just because you didn't read something. Just because we met, it doesn't mean you're under an obligation to already have been familiar with all of my work. <laughs> but I don't even necessarily you know? mean in like a in like a flattering way, you know, in that way. Although I do mean that a little bit, but I also just mean. I think I think when I'm like working on a thing, I can't let anything else in my brain. And then as soon as I like get done with, you know, however anything ends, you know, an iteration of a thing, I just feel like I'm eating suddenly and I just like love reading. And yeah, I think totally. I read that around that time. But I say it more in the sense of like, just in terms of the way, like I was trying to think of like what would be the main thing that I could open with about the book. And I think 
there's so many things, but I think one thing was just like, I think in pity the animal, you say something like, like I pity, or humans means being more than like a pity um, people who can only be one thing, you know, and just yeah, like anything constantly stuck in one role. anything stuck in one role and just the constant changing of constant turning of how you're saying what you're saying. And then also formally, um, it's always being multiple things being talked about simultaneously. So like, and this often happens with, I think this especially, and also stuff with time about how things can just be what they were at the time. And then also things are constantly different when you look at them later. Um, I felt that heavy with this book when I was rereading it where, you know, because of the block paragraphing, because of like the, the changing, I would be like, get really, you know, keyed up at one part. I'd write that part down, think about it. And then I'd read it again through, you know, and then see everything in context. And just that complicating, I, I guess I was saying more in terms of it got me like really excited. It felt really relevant to how I was trying to look at stuff with my, you know, so it's like, why hadn't I read this? Already? It was more like that. Um, that's great. Um, I'm happy to hear that. And, you know, I'm really interested in nonfiction writing in particular that tries to kind of mimic what it's like to be inside someone's brain. So it's yeah. like, I'm not even really working in that form right now with my writing, because I'm working on a different thing. But like for this book in particular, you know, when I look at nonfiction or essays, I think like, what do I really love about it? I love the sensation of like being fully in someone's mind and kind yeah. of as they're navigating memory and even being in that when it doesn't make sense. So that's why I like to kind of leave a lot of literal white space, but also just kind of, you know, blank space that maybe has meaning where the reader can fill in their own interpretation of what I just said. Because um, I don't want people to be totally lost, but I do like that kind of dreamy, amb amb ambiguous quality of yeah. kind of like navigating through memory when memory is so inherently unreliable that you can only hold part of it anyway, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I no, think that's I think something that's... I'm interested in and just absorbing all these things. It's interesting when you, yeah, you never dwell on anything. And that's part of what, it keeps moving and it keeps turning. Um, but yeah, that, I think I've been thinking about that too, even when we talk about nonfiction. Um, just like the unreliable or some things or sometimes things presented in an autofictional way or a non-fictional way. I mean, where, like, I've just been thinking of that divide and how it's gotten more and more confusing as I think of it, where I almost think like the presentation of nonfiction or, or autofiction is just that. It's like a presentation because of the unreliability of memory. And I think this book especially emphasizes that because you'll comment on, how a couple times you know throughout like I don't know if it just looks away and like looks that way now or a lot of things it's like I I picked up a lot on the moon sorry it's too long I'm stepping on what you probably have a response to but the moon stuff where it's like things you look at are always like how the light hits it you know yeah and I don't know where that leaves people in terms of nonfiction. I presume you teach nonfiction or um yeah primarily um I do edit as well, but I teach mainly in a nonfiction capacity. Um, I like that word you used, um, performance, or uh, no, sorry, you used the word presentation, but I was going to bring up the word performance. Like, I think totally. even in nonfiction and navigating things that I deem are as true to me, 
I understand that that's not true to potentially it's not true to the other person that was with me in that moment. They're experiencing something different in that moment. They would have written right. about it differently. So I, therefore right. I feel like kind of freed by that. You know, I work with a lot of nonfiction students or just talking with other nonfiction writers who always fact checking and like calling people yeah. up and being like, is this, is this the way this happened? Like I want to be authentic to my life and like in right. this book and I am totally uninterested in that. I'm interested totally. in like my very biased perspective of the world and kind of like yeah. interrogating what that means. So to me, fact checking in my life is irrelevant <laughs> because right. I view writing as a performance. So, right. you know, I think that kind of frees you as an, uh, like a nonfiction obligation of being completely accurate. I do, you know, hold... I, I I think it's important to be as true as possible. It's not like I'm going around mixing things up intentionally and being like, it's a performance. Right, <laughs> right, 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 right. I still, I still am kind of freed by this idea that it's all a dream anyway. <laughs> That's ultimately right. like it's how all I a dream. my life. <laughs> There's so much about reveling in, in the appearances of things. And like, mm, yeah, dream, like, the first of real thing, um, wanting to run on the on the treadmill with the simulated thing versus being out in the world, you know, which yeah. is, I think that gets people, there's also like a kind of like, um, uh, whatever, I, I don't care if I, how I sound for the reference, but there's like a Nietzsche, ref, there's a Nietzsche rant in gay science about like appearance. And it's like this whole rant of like, all these philosophers think there's like some essential true thing, but like everything is appearing. So like have fun and play with that, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think you also are, are very interested in that, in exploring in the writing that, that concept of like how, do you know what I'm saying? It's not like you're like, I'm just saying this all, this is exactly like, you're constantly going like, you know, well, this is how I see it now. You're, 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 you're making, you're bringing that, aspect to the floor yeah you know and Did that comes from yeah I would totally agree with that and I think that comes a lot from working on some of these essays over a series of years you know I wouldn't work on one thing at a time but I'd be working on multiple essays at one time and I'd always kind of especially in the early stages of writing I would reach a point in kind of like fifth or tenth draft where I would stall completely yeah. and become paralyzed by not knowing how to end it or not even knowing where I was really going. Like, you know, yeah. I'm always starting something and being like, yes, I'm so excited about this. And like, keep going, keep going. And I would hit a wall inevitably. Yeah. But I kind of, instead of obsessing over it, I started just putting those essays away and coming back to them like a year later. <laughs> so it's yeah. a very inefficient way to write a collection, but it did end up work working for me because then I could come back to it with that perspective and actually write the perspective into the essay. So right. like, that's where those lines that you're referencing are coming from where it's like, you know, in the first essay in the book, there's a line about like, I wrote this essay. Uh, I tried to write this essay before, but I wrote it wrong. Like I made yeah. him the villain, not me, you know, like this kind of voice Love that, that I think sometimes an essay requires, but when you're in it, you can't always see it. <laughs> so for me it's like that perspective and the t the like time's literal passing just the simplicity right. of that is enough for me to sometimes get to the end of something yeah it's like the birthday note that you you know narrator 
sent to someone and they didn't get it the first time or they might have not even liked it. And a year later, you're like, this is so beautiful, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, like yeah. That. That's, that's such a, yeah. <laughs> that made yeah, me think of the second exactly time what, I read you know, it. I was like, wait, this is different now. I didn't see <laughs> these things lined up, you know? Yeah, I appreciate that. And like, especially what you said about the moon occurring, that's kind of exactly my intention of like it depends on the light that's hitting it depends on the mood that you're in when you think about a person it depends on so many things it's like that's what changes truth I think not like fact checking right (laughs) yeah I was so I was floored by that on the second read of the first essay there's so much planetary stuff and things you know and I I was so um I was so like kind of I don't want to say to do or I was giddy about the the about how how complicated and funny the story of the relationship with Cody was so then like when it went to the NASA stuff I was like all right all right there's another thing going on <laughs> and then the second time I read it I real I was like oh it's Mars like it's Mars it's like that the, the red plant I don't know I just saw all those connections yeah. and then that that really shaded my uh shaded shadows shaded my whole second read of it where I was way more keyed into like I don't know planetary stuff um yeah but I yeah, yeah but I think the I difference like that kind is, of grandiosity yeah, sorry. too sorry <laughs> yeah for sure for sure I was gonna say the difference is um you know when you sit on it and then instead of rewriting it in the new perspective you fold that in you know which yeah, is I think exactly. how you yeah. get those terms that feels so nuanced and feel like they have to be dwelled on for a long time before you could, you know, because the first, the first time you write something, you're ripping it in one mode and you're like, this is it. I told the story. Um, I think that's key though, like incorporating that into it instead of just rewriting it. Yeah, totally. Um, I think I learned it just from a very like seemingly simple thing that a teacher taught me. So the writer Joanne Beard, um, I took a workshop oh, yeah. with her a couple of years ago and she was, um, she said like some, yeah, someone asked a question and her answer was sometimes in order to solve the problems of our essays, we have to simply live longer. Like we have to like <laughs> have more life experience to know what we're even trying to say. And so for me, it's like, you know, a lot of my essays are written in past tense. So it doesn't make it that hard to then go in with more distance. You know, it's like I'm writing about, say I write something that happened two years prior. Okay, well, it's in past tense. Okay, well, maybe I put the essay away for two years. Well, then my four-year perspective can come in on the page and it's actually not that confusing if I transition the right way. So I'm just kind kind of interested in this idea that like an essay is living and breathing until it's on the page and it's published. Now the essays are somewhat dead to me. It's like, you know, they, they were written by someone else. So uh, right. that actually fits in perfectly with the idea of the book. So it's like, now you're, you now know, you're it's someone like else. there's all these stages. Yeah. 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 No. Um, I think I got that. Yeah. I got that. I have this kind of like rant I've been thinking of or not a rant, but like where the actual act of writing is like not a, well, like, I think in that one essay, like, I think it's called The, uh, the New Love with the Rimbo. I never know how to say that word, that his name, um, epigraph. And then it's kind of like talking about um, dwelling in this old place that's like static and like wanting to hold on to the old things versus like, well, actually, I think that I think that's actually more about how we always look to new things as 
shiny and then old things is also shiny. Um, but um, I yeah. often think, I think I, I read the book, um, Speak Memory, when I, the Nabokov book. You know that book? Yeah. Like it's about writing and yeah. stuff. And I, that really hit me like hard in my 20, in like when I was like 20. And it was like, became like my ethic where he's like, writing is like bunkering up in a room and thinking about like that static room of childhood that never changes and trying to describe yeah. it as clearly as possible. And I feel like I lived that way where I would think of writing as this thing where you're cut off and you're trying to remember the pure, unchanging place. But then like, I reread it last year and it hit me totally different where I was like, this is so wrong. Like you're not, like you need to be out here and then writing is like a thing you have to do but it's kind of like a gross thing because you're like detaching from life, you know? And, and I, so like with these, yeah. how concentrated these were, it felt like these were like the, the few, the few lines that you had allowed after a long consideration to stay, you yeah. know? Yeah. Or like the, you know, you, you, I think you used the word gross. It's like that, I, that definitely, uh, I definitely relate to that because I just feel like, it's a gross thing to kind of objectify like the people of your life in the way that writing requires, you know, Absolutely. you like, so my writing, my writing is quite sparse, but I think like, even if my, my book was a thousand pages, it would still be an objectification of the people I was writing about and the memories I was writing about. It's like the nature of it is to distill it and to, right. to try to represent it, but on the page. And that's just inevitably a failure of what that person represents to you. <laughs> like, even when I'm writing about the people that I love or have loved, it's so, yeah. it, there's something gross about it. And so I think that's <laughs> yeah. where, you know, people come in of like talking about nonfiction writers as narcissists or navel gazers. But to me, there's something really valuable in the pursuit of examining one's life, examining one's decisions and trying to figure out like, where you fit in the world. Um, yeah. And, you know, through writing the book, I didn't know if anyone would relate to it, but there is something kind of magical about being on the other side and having people, you know, just actually say like, no, I feel like this was written about my life. And, you know, it's so specific to me personally, but other people feel that it represents them as well. I think like, okay, well, even if you call a book of essays like narcissistic or navel gazing and whatever trivial, I think there's still an audience for these things and I think that there is value in it. So. Totally. I think there was one yeah. part around the end where you said, I'm trying to whisper secrets that I can't say or something like that. I felt like yeah. that intimacy a lot. I like that ethic of writing where it's almost like you're working your thing out, a thing out for yourself and then people can voyeuristically look in on it versus like trying to, tell a bunch of people a really crazy thing. you know or I don't know I think of that where I think that's actually counterintuitively even though it's more self-concerned it's like more generous the effect it has on the reader um but yeah. it's funny you brought up narcissism I was thinking I was I was listening to this podcast when I was playing basketball the other day but um it, it was on like it was this yeah, it was a Rogan podcast, <laughs> but it was on this guy, this doctor who was like about narcissism. He was making the case that like some traits, it's like a hard thing to, um, uh, what's it called when you do it, when you diagnose, because some people oh, wow. who exhibit like narcissistic tendencies, like, um, like are very successful or whatever, you know? And then right. there's like, side traits of like compassion if there's like no compassion 
then they can get like then they probably won't be successful because anyway it was a little bit it was a little bit about the president it was a little out there what it was what it was going at but um it made me think of like this idea of um like autonomy like oh man this might be too long of a rant but where i felt like the voice in the in the book was well at one point you say there's an attractiveness to someone who doesn't need anybody else in the one sense but then also your voice is talking about these things that would um topically be sort of difficult positions to be in or something but the the clarity with which you're saying them and then turning them is like this autonomy that uh feels like i'm attracted to reading it and somehow i feel like not narcissism but a type of self-concern or a type of self-work allows you to be like generous to other people because you're not i don't know is that any of that hitting anything <laughs> yeah no it does i actually i i do know what you mean and i think like it's something I worried a lot about a lot in kind of when I first started writing essays. I wrote a lot of poetry in like early college years and then I moved to essays and I would just be like, is it too self-centered? Like, I don't want people to think that like, I think I'm too good or something. <laughs> like I was always right, right. worried about that kind of thing. And I think, you know, I got feedback uh, from, you know, some editors being like, like I wrote, there's an essay in my book, actually the, um, small crimes um yeah. about these girls at camp that's a very right. old as uh i had written a version of that essay years and years ago um and a guy read it and he's like what is it with girls in camp i think it's so important <laughs> and i think it's so cool and like girls are always writing about camp and like that kind of that kind of response used to just kill me i would just be like oh my god i'll never write anything important that anyone is going to care about you know he's right like i'm writing this trivial essay about a girl at camp like he's right who cares i, I used right. to really let that get to me and i feel like i went through so much anxiety about it that i came out the other side truly not caring <laughs> like i yeah. i if if someone were to tell me to my face your book is self-centered and you're a narcissist, I would honestly be like, I totally get that. <laughs> like, I don't think that I am, but I understand that interpretation. And I think like once yeah. the writer can kind of let go of that, they can just focus on the craft of what they're saying. Right. Like, cause I'm not right. worried. I'm not worried of connecting with other people. Therefore right. the, the specific, like I can focus on being clear and being specific in this yeah. way that actually allows it to be, to relate to other people. <laughs> so it's like a very right. mysterious kind of like counteractive process where I feel like the writer mysterious. can't really be, can't really be interested in, you know, who's going to read it or who's going right. to connect with it. And like, is anyone going to care for me? The right. power, the only kind of satisfaction I found in my writing is like really letting go of that. I'm just thinking like yeah. people are going to think what they're going to think, but I'm going to write what I want to write. So I think that maybe that hopefully comes through of like, Totally. You know, the book the book is uh, a sincere interrogation of a life. <laughs> right. So right. whether or not that's successful, I know that that's my intention. It's totally counterintuitive. And then, but it's also, if you think about all the forms, all the art forms, writing's like by far the least coercive. <laughs> like you can just stop, like people, yeah. if they even look at it, you can just stop reading it. Like, totally. Very, very easily, you know? <laughs> um, Totally. But, uh, and I, um, yeah. And I'm also aware that 
there's totally something completely wrong headed about my take from that podcast and that whole take in general where I'm trying to listen to things that like justify my narcissism but I do <laughs> think there's something I do think there's something like that where the more self like it's almost like you could listen to this if you want I don't know that I think there's something about that of I don't want to reduce a, you know attraction or stuff like that to that idea of something that doesn't need something being you know that would just be one one angle of light of the many ways you were turning that but I don't know yeah I definitely feel something like that and I've been more aware of it where the more intense the self-interrogation or it also seems like this is you coming out of a lot of um a lot of like this is the result of a lot of investigation you know and the clarity of the voice is yeah um, but also a lot about like longing and I read this book have you heard of this book um, um, by Grand Central Station I sat down and wept by Elizabeth Smart oh I have heard of it but I haven't read it oh okay is it good um, it's like um, it's it's a it's so it's like um, this hundred page book that came that about this woman's um, affair she had with like this poet who's a known poet. I don't know. It came out in '45 for the first time, and it's um, and it's 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 like her friend and then her friend's husband, and they like come. She's hosting them, and then it just goes into this affair that she has with them. But it's so, and she this happened in real life, and I think she ended up like having like a bunch of kids with him. But he also had a bunch of affairs, but it's like, and it's, it's just so unabashedly about, and then I think her mom like bought all the books and burned them all because it like, <laughs> it, it reflected that in the family. That's true and then, love. Yeah. <laughs> and then 20 years later, they republished it and it became kind of like a, like a, whatever it called classic or something. But there's so much unabashedly about like longing and desire in a way that's almost like, could seem like not considered I don't know like art or something you know like going against the idea of art yeah but I, I love that unabashed like if you're gonna write it let it be like the most urgent <laughs> you know stuff and I felt that a lot yeah. with how you were going in thanks yeah I mean there's that essay in my book that's a lot about the idea of like a peak experience right. um and I wrote that in there to kind of like you know, not explain, but maybe just kind of clue the reader into like how my memory works, that like those are the memories that stand out to me. And that's what I'm interested in documenting for that book yeah. in particular, because, you know, the um, epigraph I have from Edward LaVey about kind of love introducing new versions of myself, which disgusts me, you know, the novelty of which yeah. disgusts me. Um, yeah. I just think like, well, those moments of like extreme desire and lust and longing like, that's what, in my memory, has brought out, you know, versions of myself that seem unrecognizable or foreign. And that, I think, yeah. is quite exciting in the moment, yeah. you know? So, yeah. um, again, it's like, you know, early on, I may have worried that my book was, like, too female or too quiet or too dreamy or something. And it's like, instead of being afraid of that, I just, I feel like I leaned into it. You know, I just, like, mm -hmm. I wanted it to be 
the most, you know, like, uh, just, ha- just be full of longing in this way that just makes yeah. you sick. <laughs> you know? I hate those things. I, I felt, um, yeah, I think, uh, there's also, yeah, and just almost like there's like some, and there was like just, I really, yeah, I read the Pity the Animal essay today, which, or last night and today, which is just, but there seemed like, because in that book too, there was like a, a sense of like the inevitability of what was going to happen happening um, in that, in that yeah. and it was like, it wasn't like she was unaware. It also had the similar effect where she was totally aware of like the implications of this in terms of like, you know, the laws or just, um, what's it called? Just, you know, breaking yeah. about marriage um, and also just the stuff, the kind of puritanical yeah. laws back then about like, you know, women and sexuality and stuff. But um, um, but there was an inevitability of it that she kept talking about like nature and like they're by the ocean and like things are just happening, you know? And then also <laughs> yeah. in, the, in the animal essay, it was kind of like this respect for some kind of like baseline. I mean, even the, you know, sky, the planetary stuff of the mystery of stuff and some things taking their own course. Yeah, really and you know, even just things. talking about <laughs> no, no, I'm I'm happy to like riff because I'm I'm with you. Yeah, um, you know this idea of uh, of what we were just talking about of like longing being like this quiet thing and then maybe leaning into it. It's like I, you know, the kind of love that I like to read about or see depicted in art is life or death. <laughs> like that's yeah. how it feels, and I know like Urgency. most people have experienced that where like it feels yeah. so much bigger than maybe it is in reality. Um, and so it only made sense to me to kind of bring in these, you know, planetary events, uh, animal events, because Pity the Animal came about um, with this question that I think occurs in some form in the essay of just like, what's the difference between human, animal, and object? Yeah. You know, if a human can be an object, an animal can be an object, then like, where do we draw the line between those? And that seemed an interesting enough question for me to just go in on. And that's how uh, initially I really, I didn't have almost anything of my own life or my own kind of desires in there. And it just read totally flat. And again, that came from the fear of being viewed as like not serious. I think like I really early in writing, I really wanted to be viewed as serious, not like a silly girl. (laughs) So I was like really (laughs) hesitant to, um, to include certain things you know and so just but over time I just thought like well okay well this would be more interesting if I just you know face the fact of why I'm interested in this question (laughs) and double down on it and be really kind of raw about you know certain things in my own life I thought like if I were a reader that's what I'd want to read so why am I resisting it um and I think that that's I think that kind of fear towards your own work can really be useful (laughs) like that's really what has led me to an interesting place in my writing where I think like huh I didn't know that I thought that and then as I write it I'm like that's totally true you know like that's kind of mysterious does it feel different you know we said you you know you read the birthday note and a year later it's way different does it does it does any type of feelings of I feel like I ask people this every time on the podcast but does stuff feel different about it like being out and taking different iterations or different responses not iterations but different I don't know does it feel like vulnerable I'm sure feel like vulnerable or is it kind of yeah it's funny it's funny like 
or in my in yeah in a lot of the readings um especially at colleges for some reason I would do like Q&As after and even, especially if I read at like an undergrad program or something people would there would inevitably inevitably be a question that was like how do you how to like read this stuff I mean aren't you embarrassed <laughs> people would just like kind of you know, even people that liked the reading, they were like, I just literally don't understand how you're operating. Like, aren't you humiliated right. by what you just read, you know, exposing right. yourself? And I would just explain to people that, like, it's not for me, actually, because there is this element of, like, compartmentalization that I think has to happen if you're writing about yourself, where you think, like, yeah. you know, this, uh, these words that we used before, of like, presentation, performance, yeah. the art that I make from my, not my life, and it's not me even though right. it is composed of me, it doesn't right. encapsulate my entire self. And I find comfort in that. And in that I can bear to like read aloud, embarrassing, humiliating things about like my relationships or my life or my desires. Um, right. I'm kind of, I'm kind of numb to it by now. I was really afraid when like Pity the Animal came out six years ago now as a, um, as its own chapbook. That's a, and yeah, that's right. Very, very afraid of that coming out. <laughs> I just thought like this is gonna be embarrassing. But ultimately I guess I didn't care because I put it out anyway. But For there sure. was comfort in, in it because um it was a small press chat book. So I just thought like, okay, worst case scenario, five hundred people read it, who cares? <laughs> right. Right. And um but then that you wasn't know, the case. Luckily for me, that ended up not that ended up not being the case. But that's what, yeah. that's kind of how I got over it at the beginning. And that helped me like face my fear. Um, because right. then it came out and all these people from all walks of life and like sex workers and all the like all these people that I didn't expect to hear from were writing to me and telling me, like, you know, I've never seen the idea of submission portrayed in this way. And that kind of that gave right. me a lot of confidence because I thought okay, that was really kind of scary to put out into the world, but maybe sure. there's some value to it outside of my own satisfaction. Yeah, I mean, I think that's why, that fear is why it resonated, I think, which is still doesn't probably make it any less scary when you go through that again. Yeah, no, I think, I think the reader can tell when the... I think the right. I think the reader can tell when the writer is afraid of what they're writing. I think that's really exciting. Yeah, I you was know? saying that about. Yeah, I like how you said it was. You know, it's embarrassing. Like I was like talking to someone about this book, and I was like, "This is like an embarrassing novel," and I mean that in like <laughs> the most positive way. Like, I really you know want to I mean? read like, it now. By the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I should, I should send it to you or drop it up. Yeah, <laughs> but um, um. Yeah, that's, oh man, it made me think of like five different things and I forgot some all. But, um, okay, so yeah, oh, so okay. you put that out in 2014 and then, and you were just, uh, I think I meant to talk to you this a little, about a little bit when I saw you, but you weren't really writing that much or what were you doing around that time? Um, yeah, I was, I was writing, but I was um, writing at a much oh, slower pace. Um, okay. Yeah, um, Pity the Animal was definitely kind of my one of my earlier kind of forays into essay writing. So I was definitely trying to get my voice together. And um, I feel like I found, I, once I published Pity the Animal, I thought, okay, I'm on a roll now. Like now I can do yeah. this. Now I can really like yeah. put a collection together because the intention was always to do a collection. I just liked the idea of it. Um, 
but that kind of set me in motion. And then I started doing more workshops and stuff. So I went to like Tin House and then I went to get my MFA because I liked teaching. So I kind of set me on this path that, you know, over the span of like my twenties, um, I just was always kind of looking for feedback, looking for more advice and workshopping and things like that. And that kind of helped me put everything together. But um, at first I felt really nervous about how long it was taking. You know, it took me like six or seven years, I would say, to finish the collection. But um, I can see now that that is what it needed. So I don't have any regrets about it taking so long because it's a quite, I think it's a pretty short book. but it took that yeah. long for a reason. And I feel like that's what helped me distill it into what it is. Most of the essays have had edits of over a hundred drafts each. Yeah. <laughs> it's like relentless. Yeah. And did you feel like you had good experiences like workshopping? I mean, there's a lot of wild stuff, you know, or just, you just, you know, it was, it was there like, you know, like really negative responses or anything. And how was navigating all that? Um, it just varied workshop to workshop. It would, sure. some, I would get really good responses. Some, my work would get torn to shreds. Um, a lot of, a lot of teachers that I worked with really resisted the more like dreamy abstract quality of my work. Um, I had one teacher tell me like, you can't write an essay in a dream. And I took that as like a personal challenge. I was like, are you kidding me? I was like, of course I can. <laughs> Um, I was like watch me (laughs) so um, even I'm the type of person where it's like even when something is maybe bad or negative I feel like I'm still able to take what I need out of it you know so it's like even a workshop where my essays got torn to shreds I would think like okay is there any you know, I would, I would definitely have an emotional response to it afterwards. I'd be like, that, right. you know, that teacher, he doesn't get it or something. You know? yeah, I'd, be yeah, like, exactly. I'd be like real brat. I'd be bratty about it for a couple of days. Yeah. And then I would kind of think, okay, well, what, like, where is that line then? You know, am I going to lose all my readers if I write quote in a dream or is there right. a way to kind of like ground it so that I'm taking my reader along but there's also these strange elements going on. So I feel like yeah. even those experiences helped me to navigate like what a reader's experience will be. Because in poetry that I was reading or like the more conceptual writing I was reading, you know, you get left in the dust frequently <laughs> as a reader. Right. And I just thought, right. I don't want my essays to feel like that. I don't want them to feel just like a bunch of images thrown together. I want there to be some you know, conclusion at the end of it. That's the whole right, point of right. it being an essay for me. Otherwise, totally, I would just be writing totally. conceptual work or poetry. Impressionistic. Um, that kind yeah. of means in that direction. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I think it, yeah, helped, that's it helped me in that way. How even the, yeah, I'm starting to feel that a little bit, how the, the negative response, you know, the quote unquote negative response can have like a counteractive thing, which feels very relevant to, now that I think about it, to a lot of the stuff in the book where, and not simplistically, you do a thing where you look at stuff and then you're able to find a thing, a thing, like a thing that you, you, you that was useful, like utility is a thing, like what, what did I take from that? But without undermining some uh, gnarlier aspects of it, you know what I mean? Um, which feels yeah. like a difficult, a very difficult tightrope to walk 
and but also a really um i yeah i was thinking about use utility i've been thinking about that a lot like a helpful thing for i don't know people to be able to be and be able to be a self and it seems like a lot of stuff sometimes i think everything is just uh, a help trying to help people be able to be yourself <laughs> so that's what writing is but um would you say that, that's kind of what, what maybe why that that hit where things that were stereotypically seen as only being able to fit into one um i think you said like women are invisible unless they have like trauma attached to them or something like that I don't know what I'm, yeah, I feel, I feel yeah. like I'm weird trying to, a lot of this stuff is silent stuff that I can think about, but, um, yeah, do you think about, like, that trying to be useful or to people or, I don't know. My, that my essays yeah. in particular? Yeah, I think it goes, I think it goes back to what we were talking about before where, I actually, you know, try to keep that out of my process. I will maybe think about it in the editing or revision phase and think like, is anyone yeah. going to be able to follow this? Or like, does this right. matter at all? Does this, am I communicating this enough? But I wouldn't say I ever think about, you know, is this going to help people? Is this right, going to, right, it's like, right. I hope that it does, but I never, I never seek that out. Cause I feel like that adds a weird expectation to my own work where I think the most effective editing tool is to just be as clear as possible. You know, right. it's like, even in the parts that are abstract and dreamy and lyrical, I want those to be as clear as possible. And I think like that lends itself to being somewhat universal, um, ideally to certain people, you know, thinking like, yeah, I, yeah. I relate to this. And um, cause I receive a lot of nice emails from people, but I've also seen, you know, feedback where, it's not where <laughs> they don't, they right. don't relate to it. And that's okay. Sure. That's okay too. Because it's like, it's not, it's, I, I like work that's totally polarizing, you know, work where the response to it is either they love it or they absolutely hate it. And I'm not sure that my work is like to that level, but I went into publishing with that in mind. I'm like, you know, if people hate it, I think that's actually a good thing <laughs> because that's not, yeah. your book I mean, isn't, isn't in the middle. It means your book like has right. something to say and it means you, you committed to something. So that's what I'm always searching for. Totally. Yeah. I loved all the, all the subtle commentary about different ways of writing, like, like Cody and the people in the first chapter are just like trying to write their name down before it gets washed yeah. away, you know? Um, or like, yeah. I just found a late one um, where it's the, also a just um really amazing essay which was the backstreet um boys kinko stalker essay, <laughs> yeah um which is a yeah i don't know how you could you know away. yeah exactly and uh <laughs> there was one thing where um uh they were right you know writing um said something like i i don't write to entertain like i write to i wrote to change the, the course of fate you know yeah um, so, so I guess maybe with that in mind, it was less like you're trying to, uh, help other people, but I feel like there is a sense of like, what is going to help me like be able to move forward, you know, get that right yeah. calibration of all the light. And I think that af affirmative, um, 
there's a decisive, you know, you say you're writing about unabashedly feminine way, but there's such a, and I don't want to associate, I don't know, that's tough when you get into archetypes, but there's such a like declarative, decisive element, even though it's going so much into unabashed longing, emotion, yeah. you know what I mean? I think yeah, that's I what feels saying. helpful I think that's to really people. Kind of, yeah, I think that's an apt reading of kind of like, you know, this idea that you are like writing to save your own life. I think again, that that is something yeah. that readers can pick up on, even if the writer isn't inherently like suicidal, but that they like, right. they have to figure something out. And that is definitely right. a space that I was writing from for sure. Of totally. just like, what am I, totally. what am I doing with my life? You know, <laughs> just yeah. like, what is this? And what yeah. has been my life? Um, so I definitely think that in that part that you quoted is very apt for this. It's like, you know, in that quote of like, I, I didn't write it to, I forget what I say in the first part, but then it's like, I wrote to change fate's course. It was about, you know, the Backstreet Boys and bringing the Backstreet Boys closer to me through fan fiction. Right. Right. Um, Right. And then, and then, you know, as the essay goes on, it's like, I did bring the Backstreet Boys closer to me. (laughs) As you see, like, you got that one on one. I talked to one of them on the phone. And yeah, so like, exactly. Like that's kind of just a, a, tra- a tracking of logic that do- that makes sense to the essay, but not really in real life. It's like, of course, you can interpret that any which way. But to me, in that stage, in that essay, I did change fate's course, and I think that was like interesting to write about. Where it's like, because that essay to me is ultimately about what is the power in a gaze, like in looking at something. Can you bring it closer? And so I'm always I'm always really drawn to these questions that seem kind of big and abstract and then figuring out a way to get into it. And for me, it was yeah. Backstreet Boys, this job at a coffee shop that I had, this photography yeah. project. It's like just collecting things in a way that becomes meaningful, I think is a rewarding experience for me as a writer. And then it's kind of rewarding to hopefully for a reader to see it kind of coalesce and come together. That's something, yeah, I, I, I see different writers who are able to do this in different ways, like maybe like um, like Maggie Nelson does this by well, the idea of being able to get readers to really reckon with like philosophical, like really complex ideas, but in a way that doesn't feel like, you know, uh, 18th century German philosophy, you know, or something like that. And, and there's different yeah. ways. Um, like I think Maggie Nelson is also tying it to the personal, but I feel like specifically you often do this thing where we're going to really complex ideas. And then by the end of it, you end in like a surprising like moment of like, I wanted to say like tenderness or something, you know, like confusing, like surprising tenderness where yeah. you, you're kind of like having a bodily, I don't know. And that's over and over again, where at times you feel like confused what you're reading because you're reckoning with these ideas. But then it's also like, um, I, I don't know, it makes you kind of giddy, like you're reading like a Ferrante novel or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that. <laughs> Thanks. I, I love that. I love that element of it. Um, Thank you. Yeah, but um, so, yeah, do, do, I, I've been thinking about that idea about um, the things you need to do to be taken seriously like you're exploring things that seem like outside of like I think about that sometimes if I'm like 
I don't know, writing more vernacular language or something where I know some people yeah. are like, this isn't, this isn't smart, you know? Yeah. Um, and I used to kind of resent that, but then like, I also kind of like the challenge of partaking in like a tradition of things and like trying to blend that stuff. Um, really? And I, yeah, I, I feel like the way you, you, would you feel like that was maybe some of the impulse to like juxtapose so many things next to each other? Like, um, yeah. cause you were saying early on, you felt like it was too, whatever, like not serious. Yeah. And I've talked about camp. Yeah. You know, like I said, uh, once I wrote pity the animal, I thought, okay, there's something to this, you know, there was something by way of including other sources the way I did. So like kind of seeking yeah. out other books that I thought might be an interesting addition, uh, literally, really transcribing a YouTube video at one point and just throwing things in kind of fearlessly, you know, like not, not really caring where it fit in and just almost arbitrarily throwing it in. You know, I would just, I would actually cut out sections of the essay and rearrange them by hand um, and think like, okay, what if this YouTube video that I have no idea what to do with, that seems interesting to me, what if I put it here? Like, okay, that's interesting. Um, And by way of doing that and rearranging it slowly and opening the essay up, it allowed me to say the things that I was afraid to say. So I thought, okay, well, that's powerful. <laughs> that's a useful tool. Um, maybe I can do another essay that's like that. Um, right. And then, you know, as you know, the whole book doesn't look like Pity the Animal because I think that that would just be exhausting. But that right. led me to kind of the next phase of my writing where I did fear, I did feel a little bit more fearless or unafraid to just kind of dive into things right away. I didn't need the, you know, artificial outside voices to help me do it. Um, But I, but I just kind of was noticing my process in that way. Um, You take those stilts off. Yeah, exactly. And so I think that like, you know, just phase, but it's interesting having a collection because, you know, different essays are written at such different points in my life. It's like writing one helped me write the next one helped me write the next one helped me write the next one yeah as opposed to maybe writing a, no- a novel that's like written from beginning to end where by the end maybe you're a different writer than when you started but uh for me it's really kind of essay by essay it helped me write the rest of the yeah. book that accumulate yeah I think that has something to do with that outlook of knowing that memory is fractured and like we go through different iterations of ourselves and like respecting those old selves and, and accumulating versus like every time swiping the slate clean and saying, I'm going to do the whole true thing now, right now, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> totally. Um, yeah. There was a thing that I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to keep talking about that book, but I'm going to say one more thing about it where she was doing a thing where she kept talking about like the sin that she committed, but she was using like, which is like, you know, a, a, you know, unchristian thing, but then she was using like the song of songs it's from the Bible and it's all about these like passionate feelings. Like she was using those, like describe oh, her feeling. So it was like kind of inverting it. And she was literally goes get, gets in prison for one night for like doing this law where you travel across state for like reasons of sex and you can get in jail for that. And oh, wow. she's like responding to the guards. <laughs> I with, like read this. <laughs> Song of songs bars. Yeah. It's crazy. But I was thinking of like where, yeah, like oftentimes if you're kind of trying to critique a thing or go against a thing, really reckoning with what that's about can yeah. be like uh, just like a good outlook to have. I feel like, you know, like even if I'm just writing 
you know, egregiously slangy bars, like, out of, like, a fuck you literature energy. That's, like, not good energy to have. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I'm um, a big fan of just doubling down whenever necessary. When, like, if you feel <laughs> like, sure. oh, I'm writing in <laughs> language that's, like, maybe other people won't think is literary, but I really want to do it. It's, like, just do it way more. For sure, for sure, <laughs> don't, for sure. don't try to meet people don't try to meet people in the middle because I feel like it just right. doesn't work you have to just really be yourself and you know that right. comes with what I was saying about art being polarizing like I like artists that go all the way you know I like for artists sure. like Marina Abramovich who it's like people hate her <laughs> and then yeah. other people just like love her so um I like I like that quality where you know they just have a totally unique vision and they commit to it. I think that that is more valuable than like whatever the right thinks people are going to like or thinks is going to be literary. I think right. if you just double down, it's interesting because it's interesting totally. to you, you know? The one Marina Abramovich part where um, she is in the window and then the prostitute is in the window and then she's like, yeah. we're both, these are like, we're both, um, these are like, these are our roles. Um, yeah, had me thinking about this one, um, I, this idea of like roles where I feel like a lot of, um, I felt like there's, this might be a stretch and me see what you think of it, but like a lot of the stuff I was, um, where there's kind of this idea of like certain hierarchies that run everything and then wanting, like being frustrated with certain injustices with the hierarchy but then by trying to like switch, shuffle the hierarchy, you're actually kind of reifying the validity of the hierarchy. Whereas like a different way to look at it is like, um, trying to push the energy towards like acknowledging that there are different roles and stuff. There are different roles mm -hmm. and then the roles are equally valid. Um, and that, that can get complicated. I don't even know how much I agree with that, but somehow, that's what that some of the stuff made me think of. Do you think there's validity to that, or does that even make sense? I don't even know what that makes sense. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm completely following. Yeah. Although okay. I, okay. Okay. I, I'm. I'm, I'm almost with you, but I don't know how to respond. Sorry. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I need to. That might need to be like an essay, a nonfiction essay that I work on for yeah. ten years before I figure out how to turn it enough times. <laughs> um, yeah. Word. So, what are you? Uh, <laughs> working on you working on now are you working on i'm just gonna let that one go by um are you working on you said it's different i'm sorry this damn ambulance that was the ambulance saying like stop oh, okay. don't go down that path i know yeah um, <laughs> it's coming it's coming to pick you up no <laughs> yeah exactly they're like you're yeah um i'm just kidding yeah um, yeah i'm working on a new book now i'm, work, I'm working on a novel amazing so yeah you'll so never I'm, be you totally never stay in one up, thing up. you keep changing the medium too. i think i'll come i think i'll come back to essays but after after tonight if someone else came out i just thought like i can't do this for a while <laughs> for sure because <laughs> for a for a really for a really long time i always thought that about fiction i always thought like oh i don't think i'm i'm of the mind to really like create a story or create something that's super long or um but, you know, in a similar way I was talking about with one essay teaches you how to write the next essay, teaches you how to write the next. I think by writing Tonight I'm Someone Else, I kind of gained the confidence to just try something totally different. I just thought like, totally. well, you know, uh, I'm, 
uh, I just was interested in um, kind of pursuing something in a much longer form. And I had an idea for a story and some characters. And so I thought, well, this could be fun, you know, to try to do something I've never done. So that's what I'm working on now. So um, that's been mainly enjoyable at partially frustrating, but, uh, but yeah, I'm working on that. So no news beyond that, but that's what I'm working on. That's awesome. Um, sweet. Uh, I think I've probed a lot of different areas and, uh, are we at 59? Look at that. Um, 59 <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think after I just talked myself nonsensically into a hole, um, yeah, well, I appreciate you um, being down to talk. Maybe at some point there'll be an event that is in the world. <laughs> no, at some point, I hope. But at least at least we got to meet when we did, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. In the meantime, just a lot of park hangs, <laughs> getting outside, getting in the neighborhood. Um yeah, you yeah. feel okay about um, how, no, how I appreciate... the questions I was asking? <laughs> oh, yeah, no, this was fun. Um, awesome. You know, I don't talk about this book that much anymore. I'm like, so in the other book, so it's nice to kind of revisit it and hear what you think. So I really appreciate it. And as I've said, I like your podcast. So um, <laughs> that thing that, that Scott McClanahan said really does stick with me, where Scott said, That's right. uh, what did he say? He's like, a a cat looks down on you, a dog right. looks up at you, but a pig looks you straight in the eye. <laughs> I, for some reason, that loops in my head all the time now, where I just look it's, at my dog and I think that. <laughs> it's like, like many things he said and says, it's like inexhaustibly mystifying, but totally <laughs> real. I don't know. The pig always throws me. That kind of scares yeah. me for some reason. I don't know why. Um, yeah, oh, just the, the rhythm of that phrase is just great. So no, I just <laughs> I like the podcast. I really appreciate you paying attention to my work and talking to me about it. So thank you. <laughs>